Thank you, friends, for joining yet another episode of Share the Well. John and I continue our dialogue around the culture wars that are happening. And uh, one of the questions that we uh, asked as we finished up the episode last week was, what is man? And the definition of man, the definition of the basic structures that man has in terms of marriage are under uh, scrutiny and uh, the the underlying realities are being questioned and the culture wars rage. So we continue the dialogue around this and we also look at some of the implications of people of faith and what the challenges are going to be as you you know, have conversations uh, within your communities, with your children. We explore a little bit. I, I think we can, we should rather have more dialogue around that. But I think we get a running start in this dialogue. So, and I think the second half of this particular dialogue, you'll, you know, we will start to explore some of that. So, hope you enjoy this dialogue and uh, hope you pick up you know, something of worth that will, you know, encourage you or challenge your own mind also or prepare you for dialogue with your friends, right? So enjoy the episode, take a listen, and I'll join you guys at the end of the episode. I don't have, I'm nobody. I've really made myself disappear because I've given the entire meaning of my life to towards, so I need to almost, almost constantly find behavior to call out words to be offended by, um, um, you know, something, um, you know, some, you know, and I, and I, and I feed on that because it feeds my, my soul, because that's what gives me a soul. That's what gives me meaning. And um, this is, um, and it, so obviously that's, all of that is, 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 is destructive to individual being. It's, it's destructive to communal societal well-being, And it fragments us into sort of these different warring factions and it's not true. <laughs> um, you know, we are image of God, all of us. And at this point, it's necessary to say, and God creates in that image, male and female. And he is good. And yet, so what about oppression? Well, yeah, we're sinful. So we do mistreat each other. And sometimes we do, we, um, um, you know, and all mistreatment, right, is is as a result of, 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 this sin, you know, and sort of my 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 rejecting my very identity as an image bearer of God, seeking to find my identity elsewhere, turning away from the Lord, seeking to find my identity. And obviously, racism is I find my identity in in my 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 literally my external appearance. <laughs> that tells me who I am. And if you're different now, I I I'm against you. Um, so sin comes like sin is is like that. That's what what sin is. And therefore, it, it results in all sorts of, um, and so, and also, so I don't recognize sin also comes. So I, I, I turn away from my image bearing of God, but also I then degrade another image bearer. I don't recognize, I do not treat him as one um, made in the image of God or one, I treat him, you know, and, and I mistreat that person, right? So, so if you think about it, that's love, you know, love God, love neighbor. Right, love God. I am. I am an image bearer of God, and my fellow neighbor is an image bearer of God. Right. And if I lose that, then instead of loving that person, I will mis mistreat that person. So this is why, I you know I think again you know the issue of our time is what is a human being. 
Um, and, and obviously that first, that means the issue of our time is anthropological, but of course that makes it theological because a human being is, an Im is a creation in the image of God. And uh, therefore our battles, our disagreements are, are first and foremost theological. And, and then, you know, and then to continue the narrative, right? <laughs> and I, you know, is, well, then there was, God came among us as one of us fully li lived out his identity as an image bearer to deliver us from this, this false, these false identities. And, the, you know, it's interesting because idolatry is bowing down to an image. And, and, and so when you and I bow down to an image, whatever, anything but, but, but God, then we become conformed to that image. It's as if we have now been decreated in the image of the idol. So it has to do with worship. Um, and, um, and yet this God, loved, again, this God did this because he loves, he loves, he loves the people who have, who have degraded their own image and degraded the image of others. That's grace. That's that's the that's the gospel. There's good news. Where will we find good news, right? At the end, like my question would be, right, to others who I'm, um, where's where's the good news in your account? How where's this headed, right? Um, and um, and I, you know, that's I mean, that's that you know, and I'm like, let's talk. Let's let's see what you what, you know. And I and I think if if I if I may, Donald, I think oftentimes people, as you see, I'm I'm a person who I think before God tries to state the truth in a way that um, is clear or forthright, um, because I think it's important that we're clear on what we believe. And I don't believe it's, it's, it's at the expense of, I don't believe truth is at the expense of love. I believe truth is an expression of love, but I declare the truth, or let's say I write, a, I write an article where I engage in ideas, but that doesn't mean that I can't sit across from somebody who thinks the exact opposite and not be, not listen to that person or um, sort of, you know, that, that, that I think we, because of the nature of the truth that we believe uh, gives us the freedom to enter into others' stories, which we believe at the end of the day don't have a good ending, but we can enter into them because he entered into our very unhappy story <laughs> and made it his own and bore, and bore the, the burden of it for our sakes to deliver us from it. We can um, live in society and live among our neighbors, but I, but I don't. But when when the world or society then demands that we believe certain things or we confess certain truths or we deny what we believe, then that's not that's dishonoring to God and dishonoring to neighbor. That's not helping uh, people, and it may be interpreted as bigoted or harmful or hateful and so on. But then I, we have to sort of accept that. Uh, you know, because that's the part of the story of the church from her founding when her Lord was crucified into the early church history. And it's part of her history um, is she has been accused. We talked earlier about true accusations or at least rep or that are based on truth. But somehow some of her accusers are, are not true. <laughs> yeah. So. Thanks, John. I think it's, it's awesome. And if we believe, right, if people believe, we believe, right, the, the story that led us to where we are today, 
what we generally call the fall of mankind. It was essentially, we were tempted to define our own reality. Yep. Right. Um, he's like, hey, I don't know. I think, you know, the serpent was like, maybe God has hid something from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might want to explore the other side of defining your own reality. And we're here, right? Um, and so man's, if would you would you say, would you agree or, you know, you can comment on this. Man is trying to define reality without invoking God. It's never going to satisfy um, fully mankind. I don't think it'll ever satisfy mankind because we, we have to get back to our manual yeah. and our creator. I so, certainly, yes, that is, there's on some level, that's the quest. Uh, and um, is, I, there is almost like, and, and you, you know, if, if, you know, when I read people sometimes, it's like, I don't, I can't, I don't need God to be good. Uh, or, you know, and, and, and that kind of, um, and part of it is in, in turning to accused God of not being good. But yeah, absolutely. We want to sort of self-definition, I am self-creation, self-will. Um, I am the captain of my feet. I am the master of my soul is, you know, is embedded at the heart of the fallen human project. Yes. And, and it's... Um, and I think that it's it's it's, it's interesting because it's at the heart of sin. Um, but I think the interesting thing I mean, what's going on, and again, you know, depending on who you talk to or how far back you want to go, in terms of decades, in terms of centuries, I think that there's a sense of for a society to sort of, as a matter of self-conscious, self-consciously building its identity on that, as opposed to almost as a matter of, because we're sinful, we we make bad choices and we. And we we rebel against our creator, but right now I think that there is a sense of as a matter of self-conscious choice. Right. Uh, there is a sense of like we will, uh, we 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 our will is to make uh, our world and ourselves independently of God. Yeah, and uh, you know I'm I'm talking to different people, and I I see this. Um, I see there's a there's very little thirst for studying history uh, where some of these experiments have gone to the logical conclusion and end and we as humans are not willing to see that you know where ideologies have taken people to uh, who, you know, kind of literal kind of reading of the ideology and implementing that ideology has led to, you know, um, so many deaths, actually. You know, it takes uh, Stalin's regime, Pol Pot, you know, all these guys who really wanted to, quote, unquote, bring the best of humanity forward, right? It started really well. But you can see the heart of man and the way man is configured we just we we can't we can't pull these things off. Yeah, and um, that's right. Yeah, just just sort of as long, if you give you know I know it's been tried before, but do it my way or do it our way. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it right uh, this time. And um, 
you know, I think that, um, you know, th that's where the willingness to sort of enforce one's views sort of is an extension of that. Mm -hmm. right? Like, no, no, no. The pr okay, people are not getting this. They're, they're not going to get it of their own free will. They're not going to. We have to. We have to legislate our uh, right. perfect uh, sort of perfection must come from utopia from above. Absolutely, it is utopian. And I don't, you know, I, I don't want to overstate him, uh, you know, and um, uh, but I, I do think it's interesting that the, 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 the man, Abram Kendi, whose book I reviewed, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he does have with, within the book and even with, a, with something he said after the publication where it's like people this has to be legislated. Basically, he wants his view of, of how to make the world just, his ideas to be as a matter of law. And those who are not compliant publicly or even in their private lives need to face some sort of uh, consequence. And, um, and I think when, 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 when people sort of state have good intentions and it seems like what they want is just a nice, just society where everyone gets along and there isn't any oppression, justice, that kind of, um, that's, I guess, attractive or it can be appealing. <laughs> but when it's really grounded on some false premises, again, of the human person and does not take account of all of these things, and believes in the perfectibility of humanity. I mean, even we in the church, we don't believe in, you know, we are at the heart of our, we, that's why we confess our sins every week, right? We, we, we are repentant people. We understand that there's something yet to come, that we will not yet arrive. We are people on the way. And we understand that the necessity of mercy and the necessity of love to cover over a multitude of sins. We, we don't live up to it often. I won't. I won't deny that. But at least to have that as our anchor that we can come back to. But these perspectives believe in the perfectibility of humanity. And if you believe in the perfectibility of humanity, as you said, Donald, the the, the history that that history is is littered with a lot of dead bodies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and. As I read, so I told you I was reading his book. I'm halfway through, and uh, your article I've read uh, about you know Kendi's perspective. His perspective is his framework is not a bad one. I'd say this is just my perspective. Mm -hmm. But God has already given that framework. He's given his laws. Uh, so what Kendi is actually asking for. <laughs> Actually, God has already instituted, uh, you know, for human flourishing. Mm. You know, He's given His laws to the Israel, right? The the His nation, whom He chose, and to us, His spiritual Israel, right? His continuation of Israel, right? Gentiles and Jews becoming part of God's family, and He gave us laws. He actually gave us, he kind of condensed those laws and said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So what Kendi is asking is already on. It's to your point, we can keep that up. We can keep up our end of the bargain. 
And therefore, we need repentance to go back to him because that's where good is defined. He has, because he is the ultimate T, the big T, truth, we derive all of our small T's from him. And man trying to redefine this to make it look good, it's it's never worked in, you know, in the 6,000 years of history that we at least have recorded. It's never worked. So it's fascinating that man always attempts to, you know, restart something that has never, ever worked. Other than Jesus himself, who lived the law and showed us the way and and showed us the way to fulfill the law is to live in the spirit of God who he has given us mm-hmm. and that we might live like him. Right? So it's fascinating to see. So Kendi's ask essentially is really not a new one. And in fact, his ask has already been gifted to us, but obviously nobody wants that, right? We want to create our own law. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, I think there's aspects of it. That's why even in my review, I did say like he helps us to see the evil of racism, right? I think he does, he's helpful in that regard. I think that, I think that the problem is he sees people in terms of groups and then right. race becomes paramount almost as, he, almost the, what frustrated me was um, he talks about the construct of race. And again, that we, you know, we, you know, stamped from the beginning, the book that you're reading predated how to be mm. anti-racist. Unfortunately, I only read a, a, con, a condensed version of that. Our, our school district assigned, you know, sort of commended, but we read Kendi, it was a, it was a youth version of the book that you're reading. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. made it a little bit too simplistic. Even my son started to read it and then just stopped, said, this is kind of just too childish. <laughs> mm. um, but anyway, but I see what, you know, he, so he talks about the construct of race and it's, and therefore justifies racism. But then instead of saying, well, let's look uh, let's look out for the reemergence of this construct and the racism. He rebuilt the construct all the way. He makes a brand new shining building of the same construct and makes race paramount, primary, and the, and the primary defining feature of our humanity, almost separating us into these groupings again. Um, yeah. And uh, and uh, and I just I, th- I think that's a your your um, your re imagining and reintroducing the very failed project that you're opposing. Correct. Um, like, and and so my, you know, as I say to him, it's like, come over here. Where at the end of the day, there's this vision, this beautiful vision in Revelation 7, people from every tribe and language and people and nation are united, right? Yeah. There's, 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 you know, the, he comes and he does that for us. We are united where, you know, you are, you know, I agree. I mean, it, 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 it is, um, you know, one of the things about immigrating to the United States is that at the time my family in the late 70s was, it was, it was you know, at some point very early on, I realized how, how small the separation in time was uh, from that to segregation. Yeah. It's, like, it's like really jarring. And to think that churches were segregated and people wouldn't allow black people people to, like, to me like to stand in front of a door and not allow people to enter in because of their race is it's so offensive um it's enraging it it, it makes you weep um we you know that just like you know repent and dust and ashes and have and cry out to god for mercy um and so um and so to me that was clearly and people want to make that well christianity did that no it didn't uh, because it was very it was a local sin 
nowhere in the history of the church. This is where you need to get out. You need to have not a parochial, limited historical perspective, but a global, fully historical perspective. Look at the church from her history. She is Asian. She is African. She's Middle Eastern. Uh, before she was European, even. And not that there's anything wrong. I'm not going to get into this anti-European thing. But the point is that she is a global church who has people from every trunk type, trunk tribe, people, nation. So that those sins are sins, and we name them, and we deplore them, and we 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 detest them. But the solution then isn't to say, well, because we send it, we need to continue to look at race and make it the most important thing until we are cleansed, until we atone for every sin and overcome all of the effects of the sin that we have committed. Because I think that's the mindset, right? We, because of racism led to these horrible degradations, we need to still make sin pri- race primary until that's not going to atone. It's not going to change. It's, we're not, we cannot undo what we've done by our own hand and by our own power. And that's kind of what he promotes. Uh, we, we come to the Lord. We bow, all of us together, from all nations, all races, all, all ethnicities, and we bend the knee to the one who gave himself for us and unites us. He unites us. And that's the vision. It's his vision. It's not your vision. It's not my vision. It's God's vision. Therefore, we can live into it, but we can't live into it our way because it's not the way. We must live into it his way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I remember a quote. I was trying to pull that up, right? Spurgeon, who's a very, very old English preacher. He said, you know, he has this quote. It says, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him for you are worse than he thinks you to be. <laughs> so we, we we think that you know here is a particular class of sins that are really bad, and and you know if you're accused for it, you know God's kind of got some some more news for all of us. We're worse than that, you know, because our sins are not just against man, which probably is. I think David says, you know, David makes a, a seemingly. Or, or, I'd say, on the on the on the uh, on the face of it, seemingly stupid statement. He says, "I have sinned against you and only against you, O Lord." And this was after he, you you know, the text that I'm talking about. You know, after he committed murder and he, you know, he committed adultery and uh, and he lost uh, his son, and uh, because of that adultery, right and I, I used to wonder how how is that? How didn't he commit sin against <laughs> you know against his whole nation? Is against his best friend whom he killed and against his people, against his family. But ultimately, uh, if we offend the image bearers, we are offending the one who gave them that image. That is God Himself, mm-hmm. and that's an ultimate crime for all of us, right? So. Uh, all of the rest of the crimes are are serious, but they're not as serious as offending our Lord, offending the Creator God. So I can understand. As I started to understand David's sentiment behind what he was trying to say, he's not saying, "Hey, I didn't sin against anybody else other than God." But oh my God, considering who I'm off- who I have offended, it seems like uh, you know this is not as quote unquote significant. But definitely, you know. Um, yeah, I used to explain this uh, to people who ask me the question. Hey, you throw you throw a stone against a federal building. Who do you commit ca- crime against? Against the building or against the federal government? Mm-hmm. Who's going to get after you? Not the building. 
but the federal government is going to get after you, right? Mm -hmm. That's the that's where the authority is. So when we do commit human crimes, whether it's emotional, social, physical, against image bearers of God, God's going to God's going to demand, and His justice is coming. Right? His justice is coming, and I like the way you said, John. God's project is way superior, and it's fueled by Himself <laughs> than any of our pet projects. Yeah. I think align ourselves, aligning ourselves to uh, his project is is way smarter, I think, than creating our own pet projects, right? But let me ask you this. How do you see how do you see us believers and followers of Jesus Christ Christ reacting, responding, and acting in a climate and an environment like this? What do you how do you see us? See the 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 challenge that I see sometimes is we retract and move away, hmm. right? Um, that's one way to do it, right? And and maybe we have to retract our children from this onslaught, you know, for a season and maybe find some other pastures for them that, to feed off of. Well, how do we engage and not just resign ourselves? Right. And so I like, you know, it's, um, <laughs> I think I have much wisdom to learn from others I so all I can bring is um, the way the Lord has moved me and my and my and stirred me I guess and I guess I'll come back to any what I've said throughout and you can see it's where my heartbeat is at I think these because these issues that we contend about are have so to do with basic issues of 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 God and humanity I think they're an opportunity I see an opportunity, right? So, as I said, there's there's a reason I engage these things. This has to do with, this has to do with who God is and who we are, and what it, what you know, and redemption and, and what Jesus has done for us. These are really embedded in there, even if they're not. Obviously, our society doesn't recognize that, but I believe that. So there's there's an opportunity, but I think there's a sense in which obviously we need wisdom because as, as legal pressure mounts. So I don't at this point in time, I don't, you know, I'm not in a position uh, where um, I know people have have jobs at stake, and and you know we have mortgages and so on, but I think there is a sense in which um, don't violate your conscience before God. Don't be afraid. Uh, there is a sense in which you don't want to over over dramatize. But the tra the truth is that it's in these battles, right? Uh, because you, once you and I start to do that, then we start to just we have to justify. We always have to justify our actions. So we either believe the truth less or. Or we, you know, there's a sense in which there can be um, something corrosive within when. So I do think that we need we need wisdom to um, uh, justify or not to wisdom to walk together in this time. I do think that we, but there, when I said together, I think that having an like in a sense of one of the we because. We live as such, as such individualists. We go to church, but do we live as the church? Because if I have, if I'm deeply rooted in my church and I have deep connections in in, in fellowship, really deep bonds, life bonds, where I know we have each other's back, um, then I think I have a, I have a place of refuge. Obviously, my refuge is in Christ, but there's we are his his the expression of the Lord's body, right, is, is through the church. So, you know, one of the interesting things as, as I left my 
previous pastor at the very last day of 2020, one of sort of the last things I said to the young people there, I said, one of the great things you guys have here is you have deep, deep relationships with each other. Now the truth is, is it was a it was a is it was a it was an English ministry of a Korean church. So it's interesting when you have these ethnic churches where these bonds are both deeply Christian but also deeply um, uh, cultural and and have that kind of aspect to them. But I said to them, you guys have a place to go. You guys are strong together. No, like you're strong in Christ, be strong in Christ together. That's the way it's meant to be. Therefore, you have a you have more of an ability to stand up and 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 not and live as who you are before the world. Um, and so I do think one of our ways forward is that is that it's we. Uh, but 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 there is a sense in which one of the things that means we have to recognize where the battle is and what we believe and to and to teach it unashamedly and openly. Um, and then when people bear and invite others to that, and yet when people bear the consequences of that, there's 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 um, there's something that the Lord is building. And there's the kingdoms, you know, the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world that are passing away. And so it's sometimes, I think, if, if our feeling is the kingdoms of this world are are really, are, you know, if I lose this, I've lost everything and the kingdom of God is, what is that? It's just the church and blah, blah. You know, there has to be a strong sense of identification with the kingdom of God is the real thing, <laughs> is the thing that will endure. God will endure. God and his people will live forever. The kingdoms of this world are passing away. Then there's a sense of which um, I think that again that that emboldens, that encourages, but also actually gives peace, gives gives joy, gives gives can even give humility. Can 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 I, I extend mercy? Why? Because I'm not afraid of you. Ultimately, you have no authority over me that He does not give to you. Um, I serve the One who reigns, right? So there is a sense in which you're. You, between although you look like you have all the power and I don't, whether you're my boss or you're, you know, the, the, the judge or the governor, the truth is for as long as you're outside the household of God, you're you're perishing. You are in trouble. Uh, and 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 I can have mercy on you, or I can, or whatever, I can seek wisdom from God, but I'm not desperate, I don't need to crush you. Um I don't know. Those are just sort of a bunch of different disparate thoughts that sort of. No, 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 no. I think, you know, what I gather from that is keeping God, the king first, keeping the kingdom first. Right. And and being sure, sure of uh, this kingdom is going to last, you know, outlast any of us, <laughs> you know, all of history. Um yeah, if and, I could actually answer more, because I did talk about the people, right? So, so there's right. a there's a guy named Rod Dreher who wrote a book called The Benedict Option, a num a couple of years ago. He's written a book more recently called Live Not by Lies. But Benedict Option really had to do with was with building thick Christian communities in this environment, right? In some sense, whether it's you know, on some others, including Christian classical Christian schools, but just Christian communities of disciples and. And there's a sense of which and raising up our children so they know who they are and then they have a place to stand. And, and so there is a sense of, I think, the, um, the dis discipling, <laughs> it sort of comes back to the basics, right? But I think it's, it's the making of disciples in the context of, to, of, 
of not individual disciples sort of walking around independently, but in the context of, of thick Christian community. Um, and, you know, and um, that we see, you know, that in, 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 and um, that can thrive. Um, you know, I know that, you know, there's a, there's a, his, there's a church history that you have um, in India that has a long lineage um, under duress. Um, I think of Egypt also, there's a, there's a very strong sense of identification with one another and with being Christian in a non-Christian world um, that has incredible power. Um, I think that there's a host of reasons um, historically and sociologically and politically and culturally that in the United States, like I think immigrant communities when they first come have that, can have that. You get these sort of Dutch churches or German churches or now Korean churches or or whatever it is, it's sort of like they'd have that thick identity. But I think because of the individualism and and the pursuit of a certain kind of success in the American dream and and consumer culture and media and entertainment and there's there's all these things that um, I think can inhibit that formation of thick thick community um, and and ultimately our capacity to live as faithful followers of Christ together in the challenges that we face. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, coming, yeah, we've been here, what, close to seven and a half years now. I can say what you're saying is so true. And um, we've endeavored. I know you and I have gone back and forth on this, right? And, uh, you know, us getting together itself is a testimony to the fact that we we want a community-oriented you know, relationship, right? We don't want to live in our own islands. You're right. If you, your challenge is going to fizzle pretty quickly if you don't have any fuel and your fuel is going to be fellow brothers and sisters who are together. Yes. Yeah. My mom, my dad actually illustrated that. He said um, that one of the tactics of the devil was to, we used to pull you away from the bonfire and keep you, you, you know, you, you're with fire for some time, you know, the firewood, from the bonfire, take him, take one firewood away, keep it aside. Will burn for a while. Over a period of time, you you die. But you put it back in, it catches fire again. Mm. And so we really need to be in that community to kind of keep the flame up and and you know basically to go up in a blaze of glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as as. Uh... Uh, yeah, well, that's that's part of it, right? You think of, I mean, I know that you have the fire there is, is the place of warmth and the place of of protection and the place of, uh, but the Lord, you know, that that we are refined by fire at the same time. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and I think it's a reckoning, John, I, I think it's a reckoning for the church in the United States. Um, I sense, and I could be wrong here, this fire is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Um, we're going to see, you know, compromises and people kind of saying, I can't, I can't buy that. That's too extreme. Yeah, we can't. You know? um, yeah. Compromising right. is, is, is um, we, you know, we have an anchor and we must 
it's really we need to go more deeply. It's it's more deep being more deeply saturated in Christ. And um, yeah, for sure. I mean, in the word historically, the the fire has come to the people who haven't even sought after that. You know, I, I'm, we're doing you know Daniel chapter three in one of our studies. <laughs> you know, they didn't look for fire, but it came to them. Right. In some sense, it's so for me, I think even if you're not going to look for it, it's going to come. The question is, what will your response be? Will you bow down or will you say, King, we have no reason for you to answer this. But just let's just tell you this, that God's able to save you from your hands. And also let it be known that even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow down. Yeah, it's. uh so I think the time is coming in some sense for us in, in the United States, at least. I think so. I mean, I, I had the privilege. I pre I preached. That was my last sermon. Well, I sort of my last sermon <laughs> was Daniel. Uh, the right. actually next to last. I preached it in the fall. Obviously, Daniel 3 is a great chapter. It's just sort of that. But, that, but if not, it's such a powerful. Uh, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But if not, we will not bow. And um, but you you. There is no way you you will not there is a, there is how many years you're being prepared for that moment. Yeah, you being and, and so when the moment comes, if it comes upon you and you've not prepared, you that's not the answer that you will give. Um, um, there are many Jewish young people who were exiled. Actually, I looked at the stats, I think, I think in Jeremiah chapter 52, the last chapter, uh, Nebuchadnezzar took away 4,600 people he exiled. Mm. So it was not one or two or three or just four guys. There were many. Mm. We don't know how many of those 4,600 people were actually trained to be officials, but I'm sure there was quite a number of people because it's interesting that they call it, the first one was the horn. And among the instruments, you know, the first instrument that Nebuchadnezzar or Daniel refers to is horn. That instrument was essentially the, you know, Israelites, um, you know, instrument call for war or call for at, p at times of peace for celebration. They used to, you know, show far the horn. Right. So that, so, you know, there were many compromised people there. And it was these three friends who obviously Daniel, we didn't know whether he was on an assignment or not, most likely. But he inspired these three to stand up for what is. And as you said, it was a food that nobody saw, right? Then it became the dream that, you know, got them a little bit of spotlight. And then it came down to the fire. So like David, you know, bears and lions when nobody saw and then Goliath, right? And then Saul. Right. Um, so th there's a there's a preparation time for, you know, these moments to come by in our lives as well. You're right. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, it comes back, as I said, it's sort of and as you're saying, it comes back to the basics and and um, and living it out, you know, I think together. And yeah, that's, the, um, you know, and I know that. And that means, you know, giving some, because obviously people, 
when society says no, if you believe these, you know, if, if this is what it looks like to be a good person. So there's an alternate discipleship that's going. And it's not, and it's not again, it's an alternate discipleship that isn't like just being offered, it's being demanded. <laughs> so right. it's conformity to the image of something else. Right. Um, so we must be just as intentional and, and as purposeful um, and, and self-knowing who we are in order to um, live, be faithful, but also give people an opportunity to have, um, to, to come to the, the one who's the truth, uh, yeah. you know, and um, instead of this other perspective, which seeks to, I would say, um, create our own truth by our own will and our own language and our own power. Um, it's um, so, I mean, these are pretty, you know, and, and so I think for a lot of people, it's hard to see where those lines are because this borrows, this other perspective, I think borrows from the Christian faith. Um, Framework, yep. Christian verbiage or it uses verbiage that's attractive uh, but I think if we look at it, it really, the way it's being employed is means the exact opposite and often, oftentimes of what it claims to mean, as we said early on. But I, 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 I think there's, a, 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 you know, God is, a, God is at work. And, yeah. and I think we have, um, it's just an opportunity for us to, to know him and to know ourselves in his light. Because, again, these issues go so deeply, these points of contention go so deeply to who we are and and how we work at our salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the my truth concept, it's fascinating that um, Oprah swears by that. Yeah. I think, you know, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock, you know, the whole world is waiting for Megan and, you know, Megan Markle and Harry to kind of talk about what their experiences is. And Oprah, you know, I think she's really the the new age priestess kind mm. of bringing these confessions out of people, you know, whether it's Lance Armstrong, Armstrong or some of these big celebrities who want to confess, right, or talk about some of these deep issues. She's a big proponent of this my truth. Um yeah, I mean that's that's um, it sells <laughs> well. You know, people make a lot of money around that construct. It's still a borrowed, you know, uh, borrowed and contorted truth right, that the Lord has for us. And going back to how do we prepare for it, right? I've seen generally Christians struggle even with. Um, um, just give me one second here. Somebody's trying to call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, people struggle even with, um, yeah, what's that? Um, uh, reading the Bible every day. You know, um, forget facing the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, they, they struggle with just engaging with the Word of God and and. You know, lo and behold, you're going to have a time when you have nothing to offer because there's no overflow of the word of God. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, this is a wake up call. If nobody saw it, you know, it's coming. Yeah. It's yeah. coming. And that's right. It's whose words will prevail inside of us. And obviously, I'm, if I'm 
if I'm not, it's it's like, yeah, I, I need this. This is my nourishment um, to have my mind and my heart saturated by the scripture. It is a discipline. For those people who are not disciplined, it can be more challenging. I think I say to myself even as, you know, or others, like, if you miss a day, just get up the next day. Don't, don't become, don't then engage in this, um, you know, it's easy to say, well, I missed the day and what now suddenly a day becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gone. Yeah, that's where communities help, right? Communities help because if you're in a community, they're going to ask you, hey, what's up, man? And you haven't read it, right? So, um, you know, and we, we actually have a Bible reading group um, other than many other communities that I'm part of. We have a Bible reading group. So people are like uh, always asking, hey, did you read your portion? <laughs> you know, you need your brothers to look out for you because it's very easy to kind of slip away and just drift before you know it, before you crash land, you know, crash land somewhere. And uh, communities are really critical, even for basic stuff. Some some things that we think like, ah, it's okay, I can do this on my own. No, you can't. Mm. Stuff. Stuff. I mean, you can, but stuff. It is tough, and you need we need we need people to be praying for us and looking out for us and encouraging. Yeah, us. and you know, and um, and God be the when we trust we whom we trust and believe that the Lord is at work at, and have um, and that can be His voice of counsel, and um, and and wisdom, and also you know, bear the the burdens that we you know that we that we have uh, that we have together. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's the ordinary burdens of life, but now I think there's a sense in which, well, you know, this, this living in this time and place also now presents its own burdens and, and really we see that yeah. sometimes a lot of people bear that with the experience that their kids are going through. Um, Extraordinary burdens. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, friends, for joining yet another episode of Share the Well. Hope you enjoyed those um, episodes with John. The last couple of weeks we've been with him, uh, talking to him around um, very culturally relevant yet um, sensitive topics. And, um, you know, sometimes it's difficult to navigate through some of these challenging areas. And many times we actually shy away from it and we really challenge you not to shy away, but to face them, face them with a level of respect while dialoguing, but also challenging some of the premises, not fearing to challenge. When we do speak the truth, we do not need to fear, but we don't have to be arrogant when we do present our point of view. And so striking that balance is going to be really crucial. Hope you enjoyed the dialogue and uh, hope to catch up with you soon and bring you many more topics like this. This is brought to you by Share the Well and Hope you have a blessed week. If you have any comments, you can drop it on our website or on the podcast that you stream or this platform rather that you stream your podcast from. Have a blessed week. Talk to you guys soon.